1: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Romans.
0: Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you
2: with every sunrise. He says, I received these marks at the house of my friends. You know, Jesus came among his own and his own received them not. Jewish people are his friends because he himself is Jewish. And so the ones who rejected him, especially the ones who appealed to Pilate, crucify him, may his blood be on our heads and on our children as well. We'll be responsible for this. Crucify him, Pilate. And then they will ask him on that great day when they see him, Where did you receive these marks? He said, At the house of my friends.
1: Have you taken for granted the amazing gift of grace you have received from the Lord? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Gary, he encourages you to understand how much love, grace, and mercy you've been given and shown from the Lord. God gave His one and only Son to be crucified on the cross for your sins. Jesus willingly laid down His life for the hope that you would receive yours. Pastor Gary explains that if you haven't recently thanked the Lord for His sacrifice, do so today. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Romans chapter 11 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection.
2: We're going to be in Romans 11, and then, uh, Lord willing, if we have enough time, we'll get into chapter 12 tonight as well. So take your Bibles and turn there to Romans 11, and if you need a Bible, we are happy to supply Bibles for you. Just raise your hand again, and the ushers will be glad to give you a Bible. You know, uh, the Bibles are all available on your electronic devices these days, so um, you can get every version and language you want, so... um, U version is is a good a good app to get your your Bibles in your electronic devices if you want one. I kind of I'm kind of old school. I like the paper. I I like to write notes. I like to highlight things, and I just like to hold something in my hand besides besides my phone, which is according to my wife always in my hand. So, um, anyhow. past couple of weeks we've been making our way through chapters 9 10 and 11 where the central theme that paul is writing here in the book of romans has to do primarily with his own people the jewish people uh, because as he speaks very clearly about faith in christ and what jesus has done for us on the cross it's kind of counterintuitive to his own people because the jews uh, did not initially accept the fact that jesus was messiah most of them many of them Uh, Because they had simply been trained in the idea that the way you get to heaven is you just fulfill all the laws of, of the scriptures and thus then you get on God's good side and you ultimately will be rewarded heaven. Well, the truth is that Jesus came not to abolish the law, but that the law might be fulfilled through him. And everything about scripture in the Old Testament was pointing to Christ. And so Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, and he is the perfect sacrifice who died for the sins of the whole world. No longer is man supposed to approach God through a sacrificial animal because Jesus paid the supreme sacrifice on the cross. And so thus, he has replaced the sacrificial system. Uh, It was a temporary means that God provided for humanity to be made temporarily righteous, What God basically said through the Old Testament is, all of us are sinners, that's still a truth today, and until Messiah is ultimately revealed, the way that you will atone, the way I will accept atonement for your sin, is if there's an innocent life given in exchange for your guilty life. Well, what innocent life was there in the world before Christ? So an animal would be a lamb or a goat would be the closest thing to an innocent life that could possibly be offered in exchange for one's guilty life. And so that was the sacrificial system. God said, if you sacrifice an animal, uh, the blood shed from that animal, that Passover lamb will be accepted on your behalf as atonement. Well, Jesus comes along in the perfect timing and the fulfillment of God. More than 300 prophecies in the Old Testament pointing to Jesus, all fulfilled by Jesus, dies on a cross. He is the perfect sacrifice for all sins, for all time, for all people. Amen? Okay, so Paul realizes though that the Jews who have been living out their religion on the basis of the law and performance and commandments and do's and don'ts might have trouble accepting the fact That Jesus now dies, and so it's not about obeying the law in order to get saved. You obey the law in response. You want to do what is right and honor God in response to what Christ has done. But we can't improve upon what Christ has done. He anticipates that they're going to have some objection to this. And so he addresses all of this, particularly his own Jewish people, in chapters 9, 10, and 11. Back in chapter 10, verse 1, he said, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer for God is for the Israelites, is that they may be saved. That's his prayer. That's his heart, is for his own Jewish people to be saved, to come to accept and receive that Jesus Christ is, in fact, Messiah, the one who was prophesied throughout the Old Testament, that he died on a cross for all sins. Now, again, as I mentioned last week, there are about 16 million Jews around the world. It's about evenly divided between Israel and the United States, each having about 6 million, uh, for a total of 12 The remaining 4 million are Jews scattered around the world, about 6 million Jews. The Jewish population today is about what it was going into World War II. It's taken this long to recover after Nazi Germany and the Holocaust where millions were slaughtered under Hitler and his Nazi regime. Now, of the 6 million or so Jews who live in the United States, according to a recent national survey, 1.7 million Jews living in the United States now identify with Christianity. Now, that isn't to say that they are all evangelical Christians, but what it means is is that they have basically uh, assimilated into Christianity and not so much held to uh, their, their Jewish traditions. Uh, so the statistics on how many are actually Messianic Jews that would be evangelical Christians of the 1.7 million who identify themselves now as among Christianity, uh, that number is a little a little more difficult to, to comprehend. Some say maybe 300,000. So roughly 300,000 perhaps are evangelical uh, Jews believing in Jesus as Messiah, otherwise known as Messianic Jews or completed Jews. Uh, About 20,000 of those Messianic or completed Jews live in Israel, Uh, and there are about 200 to 250 Messianic congregations throughout Israel today. And so the numbers are increasing. Remember in Jesus' day when he was crucified and then he rose from the dead and then he ascended into heaven, how many were meeting in the upper room when the day of Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit came upon them? It says about 120, and all 120 were Jewish. So that was the sum total at that time of Jews who believed in Jesus as the Messiah, roughly 120. So now here we are now, uh, you know, almost 2,000 years later, and, and that number is not just 120. It is uh, at least 300,000, and maybe again, perhaps even as high as 1.7 million in the United States. We don't know for sure. But, but it's encouraging to know how many Jews are coming to faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Again, as I mentioned last week, a Jew who believes in Jesus does not convert from Judaism to now they are a Christian. Only in the sense that they identify their lives with Christ are they considered Christian. But they don't they don't renounce or give up their Judaism. I mean, once Jewish, they're always Jewish. But now that's why many who believe in Christ among the Jews refer to themselves as completed Jews because they are still Jewish, but now they're completed, because in the sense that now the fullness of Messiah is one that they embrace and accept and believe that Christ died for their sins as much as Christ died for the sins of the Gentiles, for the Goyim, for the rest of us. But Paul is making this case, and then he anticipates, and I just want to again highlight the anticipation of of his of the objections, because he says again, since the majority of Jews have not accepted Jesus as Messiah, which is still true today... Uh, he says, well, anticipating the objections, maybe they didn't hear the good news. He answers that uh, further down in chapter 10. He says, no, they heard it. And then he anticipates people would say, well, maybe they didn't understand. And he answers that too. And he says, no, they understand. They just rejected because they were disobedient and obstinate. Those are the words Paul used, not me at the end of chapter 10. Uh, and then into chapter 11, he anticipates another objection. Well, maybe God has rejected them altogether you know maybe God's just done with the Jewish people and Paul answers that also he says no they have simply stumbled and then further in chapter 11 verse 11 uh, he anticipates some will say well maybe they have stumbled beyond recovery and he says no they haven't but in the meantime salvation has come to the Gentiles And then he warns the Gentiles, and this is right around where we left off last week, around verse 25 of chapter 11. He he begins to warn the Gentiles. He says, listen, this is all true, okay? The majority of the Jews have not accepted Christ. They reject him for the time being. Um, He he says, and during this this time period where the Jews have primarily rejected Jesus as Messiah, it's an open-door opportunity for as many Gentiles to rush in and be saved. However, he warns. Don't become conceited and to think that now you're better than the Jews because now you have a, a window of opportunity to receive Christ. Because if you think you're better than the Jews, you're going to become just as conceited as they are because they think they're, that they're better than you, Gentiles. So he says, don't, don't do that because look where it got the Jewish people. And the Jewish people became conceited thinking we're God's chosen people, which they are. We're a special people to God, which they are. Uh, Messiah is going to be revealed for the Jewish people, which he has, and and so in in that specialness, they began to think of themselves in a, in too proud of a way, and and thus they kind of rejected Jesus. Like, well, we have the law, and we're special people, and so we don't we don't need Jesus. So Paul's now warning the Gentiles, don't you become conceited too, just because they, they have for the moment rejected Jesus. So the same conceit can affect you as well if you're not careful. So in verse 25. He says, "I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conCeited. This is the warning to the Gentiles. He says, don't don't go down that path." He says, "Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in, and so all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion." He will turn godlessness away from Jacob, and this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So he's quoting there a combination of Isaiah and Jeremiah, but he's using Old Testament scriptures to basically say, look, God's not done with the Jewish people. So don't think for a moment he has forsaken them or forgotten them. He has not. And in the meantime, Gentiles, don't become conceited yourselves. Now, as I mentioned last week, in verse 25... He and verse 26 there, he uses two terms that we need to make sure we define. He talks about the full number of Gentiles in verse 25, and he talks about all Israel being saved in verse 26. So, what are these numbers that he's talking about? Again, as I mentioned last week, in Luke 21 24, Jesus referred to the times of the Gentiles when he was prophesying about the end of the age just prior to his second coming. And in Luke 21:24 he said they will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all nations Jerusalem will be trampled on by the gentiles until the time of the gentiles are fulfilled the times actually plural of the gentiles are fulfilled and so Jesus speaks about a time when Jerusalem will be controlled by the gentiles but there will be a time when Jerusalem will no longer be controlled by the Gentiles, and thus it is one of the signs that we're living in the end times. Now, in 1967, uh, uh, during the the uh, Six Day War, uh, Israel did successfully take back Jerusalem for the first time since it was taken out of their hands in 586 BC. So it's possible that we're still living—that we are living now in these days that Jesus speaks of. Because Jerusalem has now returned into the hands of the Jewish people, uh, when in 1967 it was taken back from, from Jordan. So, um, you know, could it, could it be we're living in these end times? You know, I, I can certainly make this definitive statement. We're closer to the return of Jesus tonight than we were last Wednesday night when we were here. I don't know when he's coming again, but I know we're getting closer and closer to his return. And so he speaks about the times of the Gentiles. And then here in Romans, Paul speaks about the full number of Gentiles, that there is apparently a season, a time for the Gentiles. This window of opportunity during the time that the Jews have many, most have forsaken Christ. There's this window of opportunity. And it appears that from the text, there's going to be this moment when that full number is done. And what that full number is, only God knows. But there's going to be that last Gentile who's finally going to surrender their life and get saved and then the trumpet's going to sound, that's that full number. It's done. God knows what that number is. And when that number happens, now, okay, ushers in the great return of the Lord. So he speaks there about the, the full number of Gentiles, so there is a full number that shall be saved, and whatever that number is, I don't know, but as I said at last week, if you're holding out, get saved tonight. You might be the last one God's waiting for so we can hear that trumpet sound and go home. I'm ready to go home. I mean, I'm, you know, the older I get, I'm ready to go home. You know, I remember being young thinking, oh, I don't want Jesus to return until I get married. been married now. It's been wonderful, but I'm ready to go home. <laughs> And my wife too; she'd be the first one to say, "We'll go together." I, I, you know, and so uh, you know, I pity—I pity those of you who have not yet. You know, well, I still want to get married and have kids and all that stuff. Great, you know, but if Jesus comes before you, all that happens, you're going to be happier either way. You know, and and don't rush marriage. By the way, okay, uh, you know, it's better to be better be single and want to be married than to be married and want to be single. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? And and uh, and and you know, if you're not careful. Uh, you know, marriage can be a three ring circus. All right. The engagement ring, the wedding ring, and the suffering. So be careful. <laughs> you know, don't, you know, make wise decisions. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked, but here's the deal. So Gentiles, full number, whatever that number is, God's waiting. And then, and then the last one gets saved and ushers in the end times. Now, what about all Israel getting saved? So. I've thrown up here for you three scripture verses from the book of Zechariah. And if, and if you'd like to turn to Zechariah, you can hang a left and go, and go just not really all that far. Go back to Matthew. And then before Matthew, there's Malachi. And right before Malachi is Zechariah. It's not that hard to find. So if you want to go back to the beginning of the New Testament, to the Gospel of Matthew, hang a left, go to Malachi. And then the book before that, one more left is Zechariah. The prophet Zechariah has a lot to say about the end times and about the return of Christ. And he writes, uh, actually, this is interesting because it ties into our Sunday morning and our weekend studies uh, in the book of Daniel because Zechariah is a prophet during the reign of King Darius who is the king during the time of Daniel. And so the year roughly here is uh, 520 B.C., uh, around that time when, when Zechariah is prophesying these things. And Zechariah is looking into the future. God gives him an understanding about the Jewish people and how God is not done with them. And in Zechariah 12, uh, verse 10 uh, and 13, 6, he speaks about how the Jewish people will see the resurrected Christ when he returns. In chapter 12 of Zechariah, verse, uh, verse 10, He says, and I will pour out, this is the Lord speaking through Zechariah, I will pour out on the house of David, that's the Jewish people, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one that they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. Let me have your attention. Here's what's going to happen. Bible says, in fact, Zechariah tells us further in chapter 14 that the Lord Jesus, when he returns, okay, after the tribulation period is over, after the battle of Armageddon, that's the final climactic battle of the end of the age, then Jesus Christ will return. He will overthrow all of the enemies that have advanced against Israel and and advanced against God, and so he will be victorious at the battle of Armageddon. But when he comes back visibly, physically to the earth, he will return to the Mount of Olives. Because in the book of Acts, it's prophesied that as well. In Zechariah, again, he specifies the Mount of Olives. Jesus will return to the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem. And when he does, the Jewish people who have survived the tribulation period will look on Jesus and they will see the marks of his crucifixion. Because it says there, they will look on the one that they have pierced and they will mourn for him. All of a sudden, the light bulb will go off, and they will see Jesus still bearing the marks of his crucifixion. Remember in the book of Revelation, John says, I saw a lamb as if it had been slain. Jesus will eternally bear the marks of his crucifixion. Someone once said that the only man-made thing in heaven are the marks of the crucifixion that Jesus bears. And Jesus, when he returns, will be visibly... Remember when he appeared to his own disciples, right? He said to Thomas, especially the following week, Thomas, put your hands on my side. Look at my look at my hands, you know, as well. And so he bears the marks of his crucifixion. And when the Jewish people look upon Christ, then it, the great light bulb will go off and they will realize, oh, this is the one. This is the Messiah. This is, in fact, Jesus that we have forever, you know, up to this point, rejected. And thus, they will weep and they will mourn because they will be heartbroken. They will be grieved over the fact that they had not believed and trusted in him. And so they will weep and grieve bitterly. And then in chapter 13, verse 6 of Zechariah, he says, If someone asks him, what are these wounds on your body? He will answer the wounds I was given at the house of my friends. They will look on Jesus and say, where did you receive this marks? I mean, is this true? I mean, are you the one? He says, I received these marks at the house of my friends. You know, Jesus came among his own and his own received him not. The Jewish people are his friends because he himself is Jewish. And so the ones who rejected him, especially the ones who appealed to Pilate, crucify him, may his blood be on our heads and on our children as well. We'll be responsible for this. Crucify him, Pilate. And then they will ask him on that great day when they see him, "Where did you receive these marks?" He said, "At the house of my friends." So they will see the resurrected Lord when He returns, and this is what is going to play into the salvation of the Jewish people because the revelation now will be obvious before them. Another verse further in chapter thirteen, verse seven, and on the screen, it's kind of it's a second bullet point that they will turn away from Christ when He was crucified which Matthew tells us in chapter 26, 31, was fulfilled because Jesus quotes it. Here's what verse 7 says. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who was close to me, declares the Lord Almighty. A reference here to, to Jesus. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered, and I will turn my hand against the little ones. Okay? Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. In Matthew 26:31, Jesus quoted this this verse from Zechariah 13:7 in reference to his own crucifixion. He said, "When I'm crucified, when the shepherd is is stricken is struck, then all the sheep, my disciples are going to abandon me. They're all going to forsake me. They're all for the moment to protect themselves, they're going to all abandon Jesus. Remember that scene where they all fled because they were all worried, they didn't want to be associated with Jesus, and so Jesus said this verse will be fulfilled." at the time of my crucifixion. All right, now further into into Zechariah 13, verse 8, it says this. In the whole land, declares the Lord, two-thirds will be struck down and perish, yet one-third will be left in it. This third I will bring into the fire. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people. And they will say, the Lord is our God. This is going to be the great moment when, as Paul said, all Israel will be saved. But please understand what all means. It means that during the period of the great tribulation, Zechariah tells us two-thirds will perish in the fire of the tribulation. One-third will come through it that third that survives the tribulation will all put their faith and trust in Christ. So it is a very bittersweet passage to understand that when Paul says in Romans eleven twenty six 26, that all Israel will be saved, and, and the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible, so when you compare it with Zechariah 13, what it tells us is that all is not every single Jewish person. It's the third who survived the tribulation period.
1: We're so glad you joined us for this edition of Cornerstone Connection as Pastor Gary Hamrick teaches through the book of Romans. If you'd like to hear this message again or others like it, feel free to visit our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc. You can also download our mobile app so you can have these teachings with you on the go. That way you'll never miss a message from Pastor Gary's studies and you'll always have encouragement from God's Word at your fingertips. Find a link to download the app for your iPhone or Android device at our website cornerstoneconnection.cc. Simply look under the Teachings tab. While you're there, feel free to take some time to learn about the church this radio ministry originates from, Cornerstone Chapel. We'd be happy to meet you. You'll find all you need to know about service times and other information on our website. Again, that is cornerstoneconnection.cc. We hope and pray that you've been blessed by today's teaching in the book of Romans. Keep reading on your own in this book to discover many other inspiring and motivating things. Pastor Gary will continue teaching through the Book of Romans on our next edition of Cornerstone Connection.
2: They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know But still you know You're not alone